Welcome to the Metro Detroit Christian Church Podcast. Up next, you will hear a message delivered by one of our pastors or guest speakers. We pray that you encounter Jesus Christ as you engage with this message. Make your way to our seats. start with slide two, Ben. So thank you, all you who participated in our day of prayer and fasting this past Wednesday. For those of you who are guests or were not aware, we had a day where we prayed and we fasted. I sent out a, a prayer guide through our small groups Focusing our prayers during on that day, <clears throat> we had a leadership meeting that night, and <clears throat> that day was powerful, powerful leadership meeting. And <clears throat> that day turned out to be something greater than we thought. That say that up there, January thirty first, our call to pray, fast, and pray was greater than we thought. So. <clears throat> On January 30th, Pastor Lisa sent me a link to Dutch Sheets' program called Give Him 15. It's a daily program that stirs prayer in the nation. And in that broadcast, he talked about the state of our nation and the importance of January 31st in God's agenda of restoration. And I'm going, What? So the Lord had told, told us, I want you to fast and pray on January 31st. And he kept making it clear, January 31st. And then when Dutch Sheet says, this day is significant, I said, oh, I, I thought it was just about us. <laughs> and apparently January 31st was a day of repentance observed by a number of believers and ministries across our country. I knew nothing of an event that was being held in Washington, D.C. when I sensed the Lord calling us to pray and fast. When I received that link from Pastor Lisa to to Dutch's message, I I really sensed a confirmation that the Holy Spirit really called that day. That was really a day from the Holy Spirit, from Christ. One of the things Dutch said in his message is he entitled his message, A Sense of Urgency. And he said, tomorrow, January 31st, is a very important day. One, I believe, that will be used to heal and save our nation. And I would love you to participate, he said. Wednesday, January 31st, is a day of national repentance planned and coordinated by Jim Garlow, founder and CEO of a ministry called Wellversed, and Tony Perkins, president of the Family Research Council. Last year's event, so this is the second year they've done this event, was the first year of this day of repentance and was blessed by the Lord's presence and favor. 
Last year's gathering was attended by many leaders, including a couple of dozen members of Congress. Tony Perkins said about last year's Day of Repentance, it was the most powerful event in D.C. he'd ever been involved in in 20 years. He said, God showed up. What more can be said to gauge the success of any gathering? And then he said, speaking of those who wanted to participate, either in person or by live stream, Jim Garlow said, those who have a sense of urgency given to them by the Spirit of God, those who realize exactly where we are at as a nation, how far we have fallen, how close we are to going over the cliff to our destruction, these are the people who will be interested in this time of repentance. So by the Holy Spirit calling us to a day of fasting and prayer, the Lord, I believe, was hooking us up unknowingly to a national agenda of repentance. I want you to just look at the first, just this um, live, this is a recording of their live stream. It was a six-hour event that they held on January, uh, this last Wednesday. And here's just the introduction. I'm not going to show any of the speakers or the, the prayers of repentance, but I just want you to see the intro to this. God has a goal 
God has goals. He's not random. And he has a goal for our cooperation with Christ in intercession, in prayer, and in fasting. I'm not going to preach on this today, but Revelation 8 shows us an angel that was given much incense. That much, I believe that angel is the angel of the Lord. I believe it's Christ who was given much incense. Hebrew says he ever lives to make intercession. By his intercession, he's able to save to the uttermost those who are being saved. It's unchangeable forever. Romans 8 shows us a picture of that intercession, Christ's intercession, and says basically if God is for us, who can be against us? So through Christ's intercession, everything against us is removed. And God himself is backing us up through the intercession of Christ. That's much incense. That intercession is much greater than your intercession or my intercession. And Revelation 8 says that angel was given much incense to be offered up to God with the prayers of the saints. So our prayers are mingling with Christ's intercession. And of the two, his intercession is greater. God has a goal and with that, and, and Revelation 8 says as that, as that incense and our prayers go up together before God is that the angel that offered it gets fire from the altar, fills a censer, and he throws it to earth, and there's noises, thunder, lightning, and an earthquake. There's intervention on earth. There's an intervention with the release of speech amongst God's people. There's an intervention with a manifestation of God's power. There's a breaking of falsehood and a releasing of truth. And religious principalities get shaken and a move of the Spirit gets released. That's what happens when the prayers of the saints are joined with Christ's intercession. God's goal for all of that is repentance on the earth. Repentance that leads to national restoration. So our day of prayer and fasting was much greater than we thought. It was about our nation. It was about us. It was about myself, my family, the body here, our city, and our nation. Zechariah 1, let's read this, it's on the screen. In November, in the second year of King Darius' reign, the Lord gave this message to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah and grandson of Edo. The Lord has been very angry with your fathers. Therefore, say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, return to me, repent. Turn around and turn to me, says the Lord who has all the angelic hosts at his disposal. And I will return to you 
Return to me, and there will be a restoration of my presence, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers to whom the former prophets preached, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Turn now from your evil ways and your evil deeds. But they did not hear nor heed me. So God released a word through the prophets saying, Repent, and the people didn't hear and didn't heed. They didn't turn. Your fathers, where are they now? And the prophets, did they live forever? The answer is obviously no. Their fathers are gone. The prophets are gone. Yet surely my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? As a result, they repented and said, just as the Lord of hosts determined to do to us according to our ways and according to our deeds, so he has dealt with us. God's word stands. The fathers come and go. Fathers and mothers, people, generations, they come and they go. There's prophets in those generations that are hearing God and sharing God's word. Those prophets come and go. They die. God's word does not die. It stands forever. This word is hanging in the atmosphere over our nation. And the Lord says, one of the things he says is if if we rebel against him in Deuteronomy 28, one of the things that will happen is we'll be invaded at our borders. We are being invaded right now. Right now, the 13th largest people group in our nation are illegal immigrants. So of all the states in our union, the number of illegal immigrants outnumbers 26 of the states. So the illegal immigrants are the 13th largest state distributed all over our nation. That's massive. This is a judgment of God. We've lost our national sovereignty. We've lost our borders. Lawlessness reigns in our federal government. The law is no longer going out establishing healthy boundaries for righteous living. This is the judgment of God on us. We are experiencing it. The answer, according to this passage we just read, is repentance. Returning to the Lord, to the Lord of hosts. And if we'll return to him, he will heal our land. It's really hard for us to hear this who have grown up hearing 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn for the wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. But the word of the Lord stands forever. Turning from our wicked ways is part of the solution to the restoration of national sovereignty, of, of, of the breaking of lawlessness. 
under the old covenant, this, the appeal to repentance didn't work. But I have really good news. God's goal triumphs over his judgment. God's goal is national restoration. Christ has been given nations as the fruit of his suffering. He owns them. They're his treasure. They're his reward. And there is a way that he has a people on earth that are cooperating with him to see those nations given to him. For there to be a restoration of nations. Peter speaks about this shortly after the day of Pentecost when the Spirit is poured out. We're now in a new era. Say new era. era. The day of Pentecost began a new era. Say new new era. It's a new age. Many believers are still living in an old age. And they go to church and they have new age experiences, but then they live their life in the old age. On Pentecost, the prayers of God's people that they prayed for 10 days joined with the intercession of Christ in heaven who has much incense. Ours is little incense. His is much incense. He has incense to change things. We have incense to agree with him that he will change things. That's a big difference. I'm so excited about prayer. Out of this revelation of the muchness of Christ's incense. It's relieving all the pressure of my prayers or trying to whip up you to change things with your prayers. Instead, the Lord's releasing us to cooperate and agree with the muchness of his intercession. And after 10 days, the early church, they gathered, there was 120 of them in a room. I love this story. 120 in a room, praying. That's what they prayed for 10 days. That's what they did. And those prayers joined Christ's intercession, and he took that before God, the throne. And the father said yes, because the father always says yes to the son. He's the yes of God. I'm the no of my household. But Jesus is the yes of the household of God. That's a private joke. God says yes, and Christ says yippee. And the Father gives him the Holy Spirit. 
This is amazing for a man to be given the Holy Spirit to pour him out. And he takes the Holy Spirit, hurls him to heaven. And just like it says in Revelation, the, what's the first thing that happens? There's a noise. There was a noise, thunder, lightnings, and an earthquake. The religious principalities of Jerusalem just started. When the spirit gets poured out, it goes through the atmosphere. This is so awesome. I know. We've been stuck in a box, been stuck inside a building, and we've, we've lost touch with the God of the Bible. We, <laughs> he pours out the Holy Spirit, and on the way down from heaven to Jerusalem, it's like the Holy Spirit and the angelic hosts just start kicking out all the religious principalities and powers, the thing that are locking people up into condemnation and externalism and trying to follow the rules and thinking they're pleasing God with it and they're actually not. They're actually displeasing him and they're reaping curse. And then the demons come and they latch onto that and the people are just like crippled emotionally, psychologically, familially. And the Holy Spirit with joy and with all the angels, they just come, it's like they're like bowling balls in the heavens, just knocking down these principalities and powers and then cleansing the heavens because that's what the Son of Man does. That's what Jesus does. He cleanses the heavens with his blood. Listen, the secret the secret to understanding scripture is have a childlike heart and let it fascinate, capture your imagination. It's hidden from everybody else. Lord, we have some work to do today. <laughs> Because we fasted and prayed, and <clears throat> a word was sown. And Jesus says, whenever the word is sown, the devil comes. So whenever we fast and pray, I'm looking. Sometimes we get a breakthrough right away. But sometimes we have to go through the devil coming and resisting the word that was sown. So the Holy Spirit gets poured out. And, he, and the, the angels are ripping up the heavens and land in a room. And the power of that landing pad, they were a hub. The power of that just drove them into the streets. 
And for the next few chapters, you just see God coming all over Jerusalem. So we are in something. God has called us. He started this November 29th. And he said, five weeks, I'm going to just take you through the holiday season. I'm going to preserve you from the things that make you dull. And he did that. He really did. And then he said, that's going to launch five months. Take us through our cross immersion and then all the way through April when we're going to be going into our new building. And we're in that season right now. And he said, that five weeks is going to launch you into a three-year move of my Holy Spirit. So we're in the beginning phases of a three-year move of the Holy Spirit. And he likened this to crossing over. What's happening in these three years is we're crossing over from Capernaum, which is the house of Jesus, where all sorts of wonderful things happen in the house of Jesus. We're crossing over from, and that represents a certain type of culture as a church. That's where the Holy Spirit's poured out in our services and in our small groups, and, and we get built up and encouraged and energized. And, but Jesus is t- crossing over. He says the Father told him to cross over to a Gentile territory where they have no understanding of Jews. They don't, they're unclean, demonized, and Jesus took all that grace, all that power that was in the house, he took it over and he planted it in Gentile territory. We, and that way of crossing over, and then he came back and got encouraged, and then you see him doing this periodically throughout his ministry. That way represents a new kind of culture. And Pastor Lisa and I have been pastoring many years and understands that a culture does not change in one meeting, in five weeks, or even three years. It took us about 10 years to adjust our culture onto the cross. It took us about 10 years to adjust the culture to receive power. So we're crossing over to... A sweeping move of the Holy Spirit outside of this house. Where you, like Christ, will move in that power in your spheres. Like very unusual things are going to happen in the coming years. That crossing over is resisted big time by the devil. He stirs up the waves and the winds and the disciples are freaked. Jesus stands up in the boat and says, everything's going to be okay. We're going over. And they go over. 
the preaching that occurred in Jerusalem in those days, months and weeks after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, was New Age preaching. It wasn't the word that the Lord gave through the prophets under the old covenant that said, return to me, repent, and the people didn't listen. And as a result, they reaped the judgment that's in the word of God. The repentance that's being given now is different Will you join me <laughs> in latching on to this next verse for a different kind of repentance to be poured out? Will you crawl out of your religious holes? <laughs> I, know, I know it's like, I know like if you crawl out of the religious holes, you're on the front lines. And you're, you're, you're now having to go from that trench to another place, and you're subject to the enemy just knocking your head off. Like, it's scary. But Christ is in our boat. He's going to, today he's going to help us go from one place to another place. This next verse. Peter heals a person people are gathered and they're like what's going on here this 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 man got healed and the man went walking and leaping and praising god in the temple and people are gathering what is going on here and part of peter's explanation of what is going on here he says this those things which god foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the christ would suffer he has thus fulfilled repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And it goes on. I'll just read it. He goes on and says, and that God may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. The people are just captivated and then the priests come again and they arrest Peter and John they forbid them to speak in Jesus' name. They're eventually released. The church gathers together and they pray that God would stretch out his hand. And he releases the power of the Holy Spirit. The room where they were gathered was shaken by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. And the number of believers multiplied from 3,000 to 5,000. And it just keeps going. In other words, when they preached repentance, 
people wanted to get in. It's like repentance worked in the culture. God's going for something. He's going for national restoration. He's going for the restoration of the United States of America. He's going for the restoration of our cities that we're living in. He's pouring out repentance that is going to create a division. The religious principalities and powers and the people connected to them will not let go of them will be very angry and upset. And others are going to say, I want in on what this thing is that is coming into my room, that's coming into my office place, that's coming into this city council meeting. I want in on this, whatever this is. That's repentance. They're turning from a life without this presence. I want this now. It's like the spirit of repentance comes with its own its, its own attractive drawing power to cause somebody to say, I'm all in for this. That's what Jesus is pouring out. That's what we are in. I thought we were in just something local. And the Lord said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm doing this nationwide. I'm moving toward repentance that's going to bring a division in this nation. And massive numbers of people are going to turn... And have this refreshing experience of the presence of the Lord. I've asked Eric Moore to come and speak to our church. I don't know, we haven't set a date yet. But he is heading up a movement called Michigan Momentum which is basically, I really believe the Spirit is causing him to just network with churches all over the region and the state, basically casting vision for this and showing people how this is beginning to happen already in places all over our region. We're already seeing the beginning of this. They have a gathering on a, um, this next weekend. Unfortunately, I can't come to it, but <clears throat> be chaplain at, at University of Michigan. It's baptized 70 students this past year. Wow. There's a little 11-year-old girl who asked her mother if she could um, take communion into her school and share it with her girlfriends. Her mother says, sure, go ahead. So this girl takes communion, has it in the cafeteria, has four or five of her friends, and tells them about eating Jesus' body and drinking his blood. And they loved it. And now they're saying, we want more. Can you tell us about the Bible? And, 
and this, and now this 11-year-old girl is just telling them what she knows. This is what we're in. This is God's goal. Harvest. So he's given us, I believe, two scriptures right, right now for us. In the next, this is part of our assignment over the next three, four months. Look at this passage in Colossians. Let's read it together. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, praying. So this is what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Continue earnestly in prayer. It's the prayers of the saints mingled with Christ's prayers that go up to God that release this intervention that causes a separation of good and evil in culture and people wanting to come in and others not wanting to come in. That's harvest. It's always accompanied by prayer. That's why the Holy Spirit is saying, build this into your culture. So you might have wondered, why didn't I call like the whole church together on our day of prayer and fasting? I just had the leaders come together on Wednesday. The reason I did that is because well, I, I didn't just decide that. I felt the Holy Spirit say do that. And I kept asking, why? Why are you doing this? Because I, I felt like he said, I just don't want a day of prayer. I want a culture of prayer. And so... <clears throat> I've charged the leaders, and I believe the Lord has charged the leaders to equip you in whatever setting they're relating to you in. In CTK, FBSE, your small groups, SOF, to begin equipping you in being priests, equipping you in being people that release Prayers to join with Christ's incense to see intervention. In other words, Jesus wants four months of prayer. He wants it in our culture. And so I've, we've chosen to sow it into our leadership community, and I've charged them now, take this. Change the culture of CTK. Change the culture of men's net and women's net. Change it. So it includes praying earnestly and vigilantly that God would open the door for the word, that there be speech given to speak about the mystery of Christ, that it would be very evident, very manifest as we're talking In other words, like really make it, make it your culture to lift up your voice 
to the Lord of the harvest, the Lord of hosts, and say, send the Holy Spirit and shake the strongholds over the culture. Shake the strongholds over my neighborhood. Shake them up. And create an opening that I cannot create by myself. Create an opening, an opportunity for those you've ordained to hear the gospel. Open it up that they might hear. And give me speech in that moment. Pray the Lord of the harvest, Jesus says, to send out laborers into his harvest. In other words, Lord, the Lord of hosts, the God with angels, is the same as the Lord of the harvest in the scriptures. He's saying pray that God releases his angelic presence into your life that sovereignly connects you. It just... It just changes the way, where you're going, when you're going, not with, with you not even knowing it, maybe. Connect me to the harvest. These scriptures are hanging over our life right now. I just want to invite you to stand up, and we're going to just pray them right now. Lord, we thank you for everything you've done in our life. We thank you for blessing upon blessing upon blessing that has just marked our life for decades in this assembly. And Lord, we're continuing now by the power of your spirit to vigilantly and earnestly ask you that you would open a door in our life, in this region, in my neighborhood, in my interactions with the community, I ask, Lord of the harvest, you'd open the door. And you'd release speech. Right from out, bubbling up out from my spirit. Not a man-made religious formulation in my brain, but speech by the Holy Spirit. I ask you to pour this out. We continue in this earnestly. We receive right now a plotting, powerful urging of the Holy Spirit over these next three to four months. We sense, Lord, we are in a time of urgency in our nation. And Lord, we're turning from relying on our own human methodology. And we're praying to the Lord of the harvest, send us out by the power of the Holy Spirit. Break every religious barrier around our life. Now you spend more energy toward me than I'm spending toward you right now.
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We're offering these prayers up to you, Jesus, that you in the muchness of your intercession would incorporate them with your prayers for our region. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord, for a plotting, powerful presence that changes our culture. We receive, Lord, the infusion of the Holy Spirit into our culture, our daily life, and how we interact one with another, that it would flow with this prayer. Inject us with a culture shift. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. See it. See your office. See your neighborhood. See the city. See your extended family. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Mm.
We are before you. We're before you, Lord of the harvest. We're before you, Lord of the hopes. Keep praying. We're just before you. We're before you. We are literally right in front of you. <clears throat> our prayers, our prayers ascend and take us to this place right in front of you <clears throat> where they join with Christ's intercession. We're in front of you, Lord of the harvest. <clears throat> We're before you in this season. <clears throat> Cause us to live our lives in your presence, Lord. <clears throat> And take us out of the outer court, Lord, right here in the inner, inner court where you are, where our prayers are joining with the intercession of Christ. Take us there, Lord. I pray you take us out of the outer court culture and into inner court culture. Do this, Holy Spirit. Move the altar of incense, Lord, from the holy place into the most holy place. Move us, Lord. Move us. Move us behind the veil. This is our greatest need right now to pray this prayer. your Bibles, turn to Hebrews 7. Just let's remain in the spirit. If you can sit down or you can remain standing if you want because we are before the Lord of hosts. This is not on the screen, guys, so don't worry about um, projecting. This is Hebrews 7. Keep your finger there. 
and turn to Revelation 8, having two places in your Bible at once. Hebrews 8 says, when he opened the seventh seal, when the lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. That is the awesomeness of heaven coming into time. It takes away our speech. It just is, it's awesome. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, say another angel. angel. This other angel is the eighth angel having a golden censer. This is not the seven angels. This is an eighth. It's another angel. And he stood at the altar, and he was given much incense. How much was he given? Much. Much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. This angel that was given much incense, this is different than the prayers of the saints. This angel was given much incense that he might offer it with the prayers of the saints. This angel is the angel of the Lord. This is Christ. And if you look at Hebrews 7, keep your finger in Revelation 8 and look at Hebrews 7, verse 23. It says, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. So this is the muchness that was given of intercession that was given to this angel in Revelation 8. This is muchness in verse 24. He continues forever. That's a long time. That is much time. That is forever time. He has an unchangeable priesthood. That is much incense. You cannot change this. You can't, you can't budge him. You can't stop him from doing this. This is what he's doing. Morning, noon, and night, he is making intercession. That is a lot of intercession. That is a lot of intervention. This is the muchness of intercession that's been given to this angel. And he is able to save. I'm, this is power to save. This is the power of God to save people. This is what he does. When he prays, powers released to save people and he saves them to the uttermost this is this is salvation out to every nook and cranny of your psyche your body your family your neighborhood the region he's able to do it that is the muchness of intercession that has been given to this angel and he's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them This angel is given much intercession, and ours is joined with his. Back to Revelation 8. Verse 3, then another angel, say another angel. You love this other angel. This angel is like no other angel. This other angel is showing up in the old covenant all the time. 
He showed up in Jacob's life and wrestled him. He showed up in Zechariah's life. He's showing up. He showed up and delivered the children of Israel from Egypt. This other angel had a golden censer. In the New Testament, the word censer can also be translated altar of incense. It can be censer, altar, same word. This angel was given an altar of incense, which was before the throne. He was given incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints. He, was, he had a golden censer, an altar of incense, and he came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar of incense, which was before the throne. This is fantastic. Turn back to Hebrews 7. This priest is, has much intercession. And then in chapter 8, it says, this is the main point of the whole book. He's making it very clear. This is the main point. I'm writing the book. We have such a high priest, one that's holy and fitting and higher than the heavens. One who's higher than the heavens can cleanse all the heavens beneath it. He doesn't need daily sacrifices like these other priests because... to offer up sex first for his own sins and then for the people's. For he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appointed as high priest men who have weakness, but the word of the oath, the word of God, which comes after the law, appointed the son who's been perfected forever. Now this is the main point of what we're saying. We have a high priest who's seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister of the sanctuary, the tabernacle, the one that's getting pulled up a little higher in our midst today. The true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. Jump over to chapter 9. The writer of Hebrews talks about this tabernacle. Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the earthly sanctuary, for a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand, the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the pot, golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat of all these things which cannot speak in detail. This writer of the Hebrews, for those of you who have an accurate, inaccurate filter, now's a good time to use it. He's wrong. He says that the altar of incense is in the Holy of Holies. Everyone's, I got everyone's attention. <laughs> Verse 3, he says, Behind the second veil and part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, 
which had the golden censer, the golden altar of incense, and the Ark of the Covenant. That is not true. It's very clear in the book of Exodus. God gave Moses a pattern. He said, build this the way I tell you. Don't, don't, don't budge an iota from the pattern. He said, you, you make this, this outer court, and in that outer court, be open to the elements, there's going to be an altar of burnt sacrifice and a bowl for the priest called a laver. They would wash their hands in that. And then within this outer court, build another tent that will have two parts, the holy place and the most holy place, or the holiest of holies. Absolutely clear. Three pieces of furniture in the holy place. The table of showbread, the lampstand across the other side of from the table of showbread. So on this table, there's these loaves of bread. And on the other side is this lampstand. And then at the other edge of the holy place, next to the veil, that split the tent between the holy place and the most holy, was the altar of incense. The altar of incense was not in the most holy place. Only the Ark of the Covenant was in the most holy place in the book of Exodus. And the priests would go in there one time a year, one piece of furniture there, the Ark of the Covenant. And he would sprinkle blood on that altar between the cherubim and there was a golden altar. And God would manifest between the cherubim, wipe out the sins of the nation in one day. And he would speak out of the the ball of fire and light across the Ark of the Covenant. Give instructions to Moses for the year, and he'd go out, the, the high priest go out, and he'd, he'd, he would share what God spoke to him. Now the writer of Hebrews comes along and says, uh, well, I know that's what God told Moses, but the Holy Spirit in this dispensation is moving the ark of incense and is taking it around the curtain and inside the most holy place right before the ark of the covenant. That's the difference between old covenant praying and new covenant praying. That's the difference between God trying to give repentance to a nation under the old covenant and God giving repentance under the new covenant. The prayers that are prayed under the new covenant are right there. They're right before the throne. There is nothing hindering. There's no veil. There's no concept. There's no formula. You are right there. Right there with the high priest and his intercession, which way more than yours, All you need to do is receive the fire. Because when the Holy Spirit comes on the church in fire, you start uttering mysteries on the inside of you. Pull up that verse in number, is it 8 or 9 or 10? 8. Blueprints for building. 
1 Corinthians 14, 2. He who speaks in a tongue is not playing charismatic games. Tongues do not belong just to the Pentecostals. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. So give it the honor it should have. He who speaks in a tongue speaks to God. And in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Here's a a good word study for all you contemplators. Pull in all the mysteries of the New Testament. And that's what you're uttering. The mysteries, that there's an administration, a dispensation of grace coming on Gentile nations. That's what you're uttering inside. You're going way beyond your own little culture when you speak in tongues. You're uttering the mysteries of Christ in you. You're uttering the mysteries, the glory of these mysteries, which is among the Gentiles. You're uttering the mysteries that God in his throne and his altar of incense is now in your spirit and you're taking it into the workplace. Do not despise prophecy and do not despise tongues. Because he who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men but to God. And in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. He who is speaking in an unknown tongue builds himself up. If you're speaking mysteries, which is Christ in you, That's the mystery of God, is that Christ is now in you. That's the mystery of God, that Christ is now in you, and he wants to accompany you in your life. And that will be among Gentiles. You're uttering that inside. You're saying, Lord, build up my life. Give me the structures of righteousness and holiness that are not man-made. Cause there to be something in my personality that's completely otherly. And help me be true and live out of this as I go to work, as I raise my family, as I'm helping out in election polls. Help me just live out of this reality. Because that reality is not just for you. It's for the Gentiles you're living with. You're building yourself up out of disqualification.
I like what's in the room right now. He who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men but to God. In the spirit, he speaks mysteries. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. That's what you're uttering. With whatever heavenly tongue. It's a heavenly dispensation. It's a heavenly heavenly distribution of prayer. It's the muchness of Christ's intercession stirring in you when you pray in the Holy Spirit. Paul said, this mystery, I've written about it briefly. That's Ephesians 1 and 2. So when you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you're praying Ephesians 1 and 2. Whether you know it or not. Oh, if you could read Ephesians 1 and 2, it will just blow your... You can't help but get built up. He who prays in a tongue, he speaks mysteries. He who is speaking in an unknown tongue builds himself up. And he was prophesying, edifies the assembly, builds up the assembly. So this praying in the Holy Spirit results in some type of translation process that occurs that results in speech that builds up this assembly. We're nothing without prophecy. Prophecy is way more than a few people on the front. It's a whole dispensation of speech coming out of every member that makes us heavenly. You take prophecy, you take prophecy out of our midst. Oh, you can't. We're we're right under Jezebelic religious principalities and powers. We're no different than a universalist church worshiping the LGBTQ agenda. You take prophecy out. The gateway to prophecy is spraying in the spirit. And then amongst a prophetic people, Revelation 11 says there's this, there's this heavenly thing happening. There's this priest distributing this heavenly 
thing of the blood of Christ, and it's, it's shaking assemblies. And then out of them, these witnesses go into the city. Prophecy, it's one stream. Tongues, prophecy, declaration, speech. Satan resists that. Let's cut this off right here. Let's cut it off right here in this building. Whip everybody up and have tongues and interpretation and prophecy and power and fire. But don't link it to the culture. That's what the devil says. A wind is coming right now. A wind from God to overcome the resistance, overcome the disconnect between our lives in the spirit and our speech in culture. That is happening right now. Jesus is lifting that veil. He's breaking that thing. The altar of incense has moved. Your prayers are right before the throne. And the throne is releasing fire into your life. And when the fire comes into your life, there is shaking and separation and people like, what's going on? And then you have something to say. This is happening. This is on. So I just encourage and exhort you leaders. Go back to um, the Colossians. I think it's number two or number three. I, I encourage you, leaders, the impartation that you got on Wednesday. I, we couldn't have generated that impartation if we wanted to. There was so much fire and revelation and just crazy joy and laughter and all around prayer and priesthood. You got that, you guys. You are charged by the Holy Spirit to give this away with words that the Holy Spirit will teach you. You're charged to give it to your sphere. Raise up, make everyone in this room a priest. (laughs) By power. And we all, the Holy Spirit's calling all of us to continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, praying that God would open to MDCC a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. The mystery of the plan to restore the United States. Destined, designed by God to be distributed through his holy apostles and prophets in the 21st century. Right, right when the whole thing's about to go off the edge, here comes a massive 
release of the Holy Spirit to the ecclesia. To pray, build yourself up, get the plans for your life. Like, we're going to see, you're going to experience unusual ease in praying in the Holy, in praying in tongues. It's just going to be on your life because that's what Jesus is doing. And in that are mysteries being revealed. Mystery means it's being revealed. You're going to start in in another language, but eventually you're going to have some understanding. I don't know when the understanding will come. It will come, though. And that understanding will be, oh, this is what I'm, this is what I'm destined for, Christ in me. You're going to build yourself up into your inheritance by the Holy Spirit. You're not going to get there without the Holy Spirit. And once Christ in you comes to a new place, you're going to have something to say. Trumpets are going to... You're going to have something to say to each other. And this incredible thing that we are, which is we have no idea who we are as the city of God. The dimensions that we potentially can hold in our spirits... Maybe the Lord will release me to teach on the city of God and longing to do that. But as you speak to one another, as we speak to one another as members of one body, being tenderhearted, forgiving one another, because everybody screws up, everybody. So we just tenderhearted, forgiving one another, and we just are speaking out of the revelation of Christ in us, and we become really like speech people. Like you think you have speech now? It's like, the pedal is going to the metal. Just noises, speeches, words. Someone someone just went, several people have come to me and say, how do I handle your culture? There's so many words, 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 words. You know, I can't take notes fast enough, and how do I know what to hold on to? You're supposed to hold to the word, and there's like one million words. I said, I said, you're using the wrong muscle. You're trying to use your rational, intellectual Greek system to pull out the word, hold it in. No, just let your spirit have a word feast. And the one you're supposed to hold on to is going to rise out of all of that feast, and you're going to say, wow, that is such a good word. Hold to that one. This is actually a really good problem that we have so many words. Like it's a Sunday, it's word, 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 word. It's like from the beginning, the opening and the worship and the prophetic and then the preaching. And then we go home and we our small groups and CTK and SOF. And there's just words, 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 words. We're living in the word of God. We're living in the dimension of the word. That is awesome.
Lord, thank you. I feel you sowing, sowing, kneading, softening, helping us get, the, get this culture, not just agree in a powerful service, but actually get something that changes us. But I pray for the spirit of prayer just to be in our marriages, in our homes, in our families, that mothers and fathers would teach their children how to pray that the word would open up in the region. <laughs> I thank you, Lord. The tongues are just flowing. And then all sorts of interpretation, understanding, and revelation is coming to us about the purpose of our life, the purpose of our placement. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. You're delivering us from every religious structure that binds us in a place we're not to be bound. We're just to be where Christ has placed us. Thank you for that. You're building up the body, this incredible city. And man, the stuff that's going to flow out from us into the world in the coming weeks, months, and years, the unprecedented for our lives. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, I think I think that's it. Give give some people a hug on the way out. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope that you enjoyed wrestling with the word and the spirit as you engaged with this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.metrodetroit.org and have a great week.